This week on Invasion of the Podcast, will Red Bull's wings be outlawed in Major League Gaming? We examine the Sharknado effect. And we finally pull Paul's dead, lifeless body off of the Netflix Wheel of Death. We bring you this special radio television broadcast in order to give you the very latest information on an amazing phenomenon. The arrival of a spaceship. Just a minute, ladies and gentlemen, I think something is happening. Flying saucers have invaded our planet. People over attention. It's the invasion of the podcast. The whole world is under attack. Can it survive? And welcome to Evasion of the Podcast. I am Paul Unnecessary Nudity Stedman. And to my left, as always, is Joe. Was that a massive watermelon headshot, Peters? <laughs> massive watermelon headshot like I, the exploding heads that they use in the b movies that, that's that's kind of uh, what i was going for i was just trying to think of you. like gore i got hung up on the nudity part though the i'm just like hmm, unnecessary nudity that that's that's kind of that's been my goal is really is this if i could fit that into whatever i do so um welcome again uh, the, the, today i you know what i can't decide on my intro so i want to say um taking over the world one listener at a time i like that intro better than today cleveland tomorrow who knows because we're going to take over the world one listener at a time. And thank you guys for listening. And maybe tell a friend. Maybe say, hey, guys, here's a podcast. And then like stick it under their bed. And they'll wake up in the morning and be like, we must listen to Invasion of the Podcast. Yeah. So I think that'd be the way to go. So got a lot of good things to talk about. Actually, you know what? I'm, I'm going to stop. We have a lot of terrible things to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> As a part of the soft intro, I know like <laughs> Paul was on the Netflix Wheel of Death way too long. And that kind of spiraled into what we're going to talk about in the middle of the show. But we do have some, uh, some news to get to. So let's just go ahead and do that. News team, assemble! So like, okay, the, the, the B-movie Netflix stuff is going to be you know, the, the bad half. I don't want to say the bad half, but the, the tough part for Paul. Um, uh, so the, I'm actually dead right now. Like I just, um, (laughs) like I, I, there's no brain function. I don't even know how I'm still talking. Uh, this has been a rough week and we'll get into all that. And, 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 and Joe even said to me, he's like, it's like, do we say positive things all the time? I'm like, I think we are pretty uplifting. This is, you know, and and we're going to have an interesting positive discussion here about B movies, about terrible movies. Anyway, let's get to the news. Um, first story that we were talking about, uh, Competitive gaming, uh, like the Major League Gaming, the Electronics um, uh, Sports League, those type of things where people play games uh, for money and competitively on teams for the most part. Um, games like StarCraft, Dota, um, League of Legends. Yeah, there's a lot of like first-person shooters, but a lot of strategy games like yeah. a big, big, big pull. Um, so it recently came to their attention that they're going to start doing drug screen testing for uh, a lot of the competitions. Um, primarily, I think it's mostly Adderall. I know a lot of the teams that there was one guy they interviewed. No human growth hormone. On yeah. this. It's like, that guy has a huge head. I don't know how that's going to help him. Boy, there's more brain in there. There's more twitch re- reaction memory. <laughs> Look at the size of his mouse arm. Oh, my goodness. His, ma- his mouse and finger. Look at that. His, <laughs> his mouseful fingers like three times the size of other mouseful fingers. <laughs> so, like, I think one of the one of the guys they interviewed, his team, like, he's retired now, but he said, yeah, his, a lot of people on his team use Adderall. 
retired now. Like, like, uh, yeah, the, oh, yeah, absolutely not competing. And one of the reasons is, well, I'm, no, this, I'm just asking because it sounds like this has been like a thing going on for such a long time now. It you have retired right. veterans now. I mean, of the first war, they, they well, there's a lot of money in these things. Some people do retire from them. I mean, I mean, it's not like you know the NFL money, but I mean, it's it's turning into like a billion dollar industry yeah. with competitive electronic sports leagues. Well, even ESPN had a um they had a big um like event before Heroes of the Storm actually went live. Like that a like right before it was like still like till in the beta. They had a big uh um Weird <laughs> well, there's some there. weird noises going on right here, and I totally killed killed my microphone as we're going over that. So yeah. no, anyway, I, I killed that. It was some preve- competitive gaming that yeah. was like what was going on. Uh, ESPN had a big thing where it was like Heroes of the Dorm was the big thing before yeah. the game went live. Before Heroes of the Storm, and went they actually live. had like TV coverage for it. So um, yeah, I mean, I think it's 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 a it's a, obviously it's a big thing. It's getting bigger. I think the generation. Um, after us is more interested in um, esports and watching like Twitch TV and things yeah. like that. Um, I don't quite always get in, like I don't always understand why, but it has a huge market. And I think this, and in a weird kind of way, legitimizes it, legitimatizes it. Like um, that's not even a word, but it kind of gives a little bit of like like street cred because it's like, oh, now we're tested for drugs, so it's yeah. like it's starting to enter the arena of like major professional sports well i think that the reason why it's getting that attention is because of the prize and the money that's involved i mean some of these competitions they you know they'll reach up to 71 million dollars for prizes total uh for a lot of people and as you know when that type of money is on the line and and, and, you know people are throwing money into these contests it's like you kind of don't want somebody to have like a major edge like you know performance enhancing drugs well and i guess the other question too is i i don't know this for sure but um, South Korea, their StarCraft is like, might as well be the national pastime I, there. I think literally it is their national support <laughs> sport. Like, it um, totally beat out Taekwondo. Yeah, so, I mean, like, what do you, like, do you, Do we know if there's any type of, like, regulations there? Because people that are really good at StarCraft over there are rock stars. They like, are. Yeah. I, I don't understand that. Like, because I'm a big StarCraft fan, and, like, um, I remember hearing about this when StarCraft 1 was going around, and then, like, when 2 came out, it just exploded. And it was, like people would watch these people sit in booths and just play. And it, was, it wasn't like how we watch Twitch or YouTube um, where, you know, you'll have somebody kind of doing like like a PewDiePie thing where there's like the picture of, you know, them casting. Like picture and picture. Of yeah, picture and picture, and yeah, yeah, and stuff like that. No, it was like people would go and line up and they would watch someone in a booth play StarCraft. Hmm. And it was just kind of crazy, so... So yeah, I think it's interesting. Um, I'm sure as time goes on, um, there's there will be more, not scandals. I'm sure there's going to be scandals. There's already scandals surrounding professional gaming. I know there's been people that there's been uh, accusations of cheating and other things too. So it makes me wonder who the first um, official, like you know. I just wonder if they're gonna they're gonna check everyone for game genies. <laughs> yeah, or balls energy drink. Balls. Do you remember balls energy? Yeah. Like um, they're like, oh no, you're high on balls. You can't play right now. You know. Um, or it's like, if, if it's like performance enhancing drugs, like then really where, where's the line drawn in terms of like energy drinks and things? Cause that's like and caffeine. Yeah. I mean, well, like with those, I think like with those energy drinks though, that market is totally driven. Like the, the Mountain Dews or quote unquote call of duty drink, um, <laughs> that like, uh, the, those companies target gamers for is because these people play these games for like endless hours. Well, yeah, like, but I mean, it, wouldn't that also be an example of performance enhancement? Yeah, but in competitive gaming, it's not an endurance thing. They don't sit you down and they're not like, you're going to play League of Legends for nine straight hours. 
But but don't you do that? No. <laughs> How's what's how, what's the longest amount of time you've spent playing League of Legends? Or not? Sorry, not League of Legends. Um, Heroes of the Storm. Heroes of the Storm. I don't know, maybe four hours. Four hours. Okay. Do you think you could have went nine hours if you would have had some energy drinks? No. Because <laughs> after a while, I'm just kind of like, hey, I got stuff again. Yeah, I can't. Oh, so, there, so there's not a drug to counteract um, like a, adult responsibilities is what you're saying? No. Okay. Well, I'm, I wouldn't say adult responsibilities, but just like I think maybe I should have Adderall when I play it because my ADHD <laughs> kicks in and I'm just like, I want to go do something else. Oh, well, fair enough. So I, I thought it was an interesting story just because it's like it's one of those things that it, it's inevitability in terms of like competition, but it's um, – you know, like esports is ramping now. Like it was like kind of one of those things where they talked about for years, and it hadn't caught on. And now it's like just it's like a steamroll right now. It's just yeah. getting more and more and more. I, so. I kind of figured that was going to happen, like early two thousands. Like I remember when I first started working at uh, an electronics retailer. Um, not, not the no, but uh, <laughs> don't um, worry. Like we're going to talk about some shared history here in a minute about um, yeah. retailing stores and yeah. all that. So there's some dark moments but, coming up. That's that's um that's foreshadowing, folks. But I I remember thinking I'm like this is kind of getting bigger than it used to be, and I can see it taking off. So and okay. it has. So so um yeah interesting. So we'll see what happens next. What else we got going on here? Um, Fantastic Four is coming out in like what like a week? Some uh, week like week and that? a half something week like and that. Half, something like that. Um, uh, Fox somehow has kind of uh, belayed a lot of the reviews. Like people have. Um, seen the movie, uh, critics, they've done their reviews on it, and they're basically holding the reviews back until the movie actually releases, which is kind of a bad sign. So, so factor in trouble production, um, the director uh, has kind of stepped away from like big budget filmmaking immediately after this, uh, wrapping, and also that it's also like a August release for the summer. That that's a lot of science pointing towards that this may not be a good movie. Fox is uh, Fox is barely clinging on to X Men. Like you know, in my opinion, X Men was great, but um, I mean they rolled out some stinkers with some of the old like the Wolverines. Like you know, yeah. I mean they they were okay, but like they didn't have well Origins wasn't good, but like the Wolverine wasn't bad. The like, Wolverine wasn't bad. You're right, but Origins was was really really bad. Yeah. Um, and then like, uh, X-Men three was kind of, eh, so yeah, I think those but, two kind of destroyed like, uh, the brand for a bit. Yeah. But I mean, everything everybody's been seeing about fantastic four, nobody's been getting excited about, um, like I talked about that piece about Josh Trank getting upset on Twitter, you know, uh, you know, about people kind of criticizing his film and. You know. I'm just not excited at the notion of a X-Men Fantastic Four crossover. Not in the sense that I don't think it couldn't be fun. It's just that with the way the properties are right now, and I haven't seen the new movie, you know, clearly we haven't seen it yet, but like that whole like the you know scientific cosmic stuff versus which I get that X-Men are children of the atom and that they're, you know, mutants. Mm-hmm. Um so there is going to be an inherent like bit of like sci-fi twisting whatever, but I think if when I think of Fantastic Four, I think of it should be, at least in my mind, and who am I? I'm just some dude sitting in a really hot room right now, like, you know, in Cleveland, um, sweating profusely. Yeah, you'll uh, never hear us say it's hot in Cleveland. But yeah, right but now right it's, now it's, it's really hot in Cleveland. Degrees. Yeah, it's, yeah. Like, it's like Betty White hot Like, right expect, like, the next, like, podcasts in the future to be us bitching about the cold. <laughs> so As I touch buttons and my fingers break off, so there'll never be any more sounds at that point. But, no, I, what I'm saying, like, I think of Fantastic Four, I think of, like, a space romp, like, family, like, 
the, you go make it as ridiculous out there as possible. Kinda, and then X-Men's more family. Well, it's also family too, I guess, but it's more like, it, it isn't like a space opera kind of like notion. I get more like fun. Are you thinking lost in space ish? Like kind of, yeah. I mean, okay. I keep wanting to say guardians of the galaxy, but that's not like, I don't want to attach well, it to an existing, like a successful film, but I feel like guardians did fantastic four also better than fantastic four has. Yeah. I, and like, I, I feel like with Fox having that property, I mean, I don't understand why they're clinging to it because like they have X-Men to work with. And, you know, if you had two solid properties like that, you would want to intertwine them, but they don't really intertwine well together. Like yeah. if you wanted to have them intertwine, it was always like, you know, read a Spider-Man was always a good one. Spider-Man, all, Spider-Man was a member of the Fantastic Four. And, like, and, and they, X-Men tried to recruit him too, because they thought he was the actual mutant. And, and yeah. so, yeah, I mean, he, he like, and plus also Peter Parker is more of like the everyman. So he's a really good surrogate for yeah. like the audience. Right. I it just, the whole thing, I feel like to me that the, from what I've seen of this new Fantastic Four, it looks like it tries to have fun, but it looks like it almost has to be like, like it's almost like like walking into a room where there's an adult reading a Fantastic Four book. I'm like, I wasn't reading that. I only read smart things. <laughs> and that's what it feels like. And they're like, oh, no, 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 no. I wasn't reading that book. Because the way the whole thing is like, kind of like Mr. Fantastic doesn't actually stretch. He just changes the space around him. Why can't he just stretch? Like. Yeah. None of the science makes sense anyway. Like I get that. I accept that's the, like I don't accept. I, I accept the reality of all Marvel or DC or anything where it's like some dude got bit by a spider. Now he has spider powers. I was bit by a spider when I was in my early twenties. I went to the hospital. Like that's not like I didn't get any cool powers. <laughs> I, I hurt badly is what happened. And like and that that's what that's what happens. Like I can accept that this is like this is escapism. So you don't have to make the science as long as it doesn't like fall apart in the movie sense like mr fantastic can stretch the thing's a big rock guy invisible woman has you know she is the most powerful of all of them but you'll probably never know it you know right, and right like i'm fine with that it's just i really would love to have a fun awesome over the top fantastic four movie i just don't know if, like like a kirby jack kirby fantastic four movie yeah give me one set in the 60s that'd be a lot of fun that would be pretty cool if they did a period piece like that but whatever. So, so far, reviews are coming in that we don't know about. We don't know about. But it either it either points to it being bad or it points to some type of twist spoiler uh, that that I, everyone highly kind of well, doubts there would be a twist spoiler. Considering that, like, um, whenever the, uh, the new X-Men Apocalypse trailer leaked from Comic-Con yeah. and they just went in and put it out. Because Fox is excited that people are excited. Fox putting, like, keeping people at bay about this doesn't instill a lot of confidence in me right so oh well we'll I mean, see yeah i mean i don't know we'll wait I mean, i'm sure we'll talk about when when it launches on the podcast yeah i mean so. are, here's the question are you going to go see it the weekend it comes out no i probably won't even go see it <laughs> i i know it sounds terrible i probably will not even go see it like i'll i'll like if someone just posts screenshots and they do a diorama i'll yeah. tell you like I don't how I don't know how I feel about those static images. Unless it's like some massive sleeper hit, I'll just wait till it comes out on on Blu-ray or something. I mean, considering whenever they first tried to put it out, like the original one that had, um, you know, Chickless and um, you know Captain America in it. Yeah. Like I saw that in the theater for free, and I, at that, even at that point, I'm like, I kind of kind of wish I had my money back. Like it was okay, but it's like I saw it for free, and I still didn't feel like I got my like like it wasn't like worth my time. Yeah. And I feel like that some of the casting was cool, and it was okay. But I just, you know, I, is, it, is it really a property that that's hard to translate? Because I think The Incredibles is a good Fantastic Four movie. Yeah, it isn't. I don't know what they're doing, but, you know, and then like like you always hate, I kind of hate the fact they got to do an origin piece. I think I'm 
they're beating a lot of that to death. Yeah, well, I mean, like we talked about that too. Like, uh, I think the Incredible Hulk with Ed Norton, like it explained the Hulk origin story in the credits, and you got everything, and you just moved on with the story. Yeah, it, that eats up a lot of the movie. Yeah, and for certain characters, Spider Man especially, like. I'm really glad that they're they they're just jumping right into it and saying he's got spider powers. Well, and like I feel like now, like I think enough people know about Fantastic Four, where if you did like an opening sequence, like like Ant Man, fine, give him an origin story. He's not yeah, as no, well known, need, established in origin story, and that's fine. Like I can yeah. get behind that. It's just that like these bigger bigger players that people have grown up with, like Fantastic Four has been known, Spider Man's been known. Batman, uh, I know I always joke about this. We know his parents are dead. Like we, we, we know these things. Like if any of us have even a shred of interest in any of these movies, we know those core, like Superman, not from this planet. We know that like we're, we're cool with that. We know it, you know? So I I think a time period you get, you, you need to do an origin piece. Like the Hulk was not far enough apart that you didn't, you need, you didn't need one, but like Superman, I mean, between all the Superman movies, I think it was cool to revisit like, because they did, they did the whole destruction of Krypton, yeah, and in Man of Steel, that was cool to see that kind of updated. I guess you could say that, like that first part of the movie, I thought was really really good. That I was the best part, part of the movie. Like yeah. I could have watched the whole like, Krypton thing for the whole movie. That'd I remember watching that movie, and I was just like, "Let me get some more Jor El action." Yeah, like, right. Like Russell Crowe needs to do a prequel. <laughs> no, let, me, let me get some more Robin Hood Superman. I'm cool with that. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. I I maybe we'll see this. I feel like I should for the sake of like you know. For for our our esteemed audience, and you know, hey, tell a friend. We're we're pretty great. You should everybody should listen. Um, I feel like we should maybe watch this and be like, Fantastic Four was fantastic, or not? Not okay. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it's going to be. But anyway, yeah. Um, last part of the news. Uh, uh, is, uh Mark Hamill is going to jump back into the booth to do the Joker again for the Killing Joke movie. Um, DC, uh, their animated studio properties, is putting out. A Killing Joke movie, which is um, uh, a story by Alan Moore that was from the 80s that was probably one of the uh, most prolific Batman stories. It, it, it pushed comics forward in general. A lot of his stuff pushed yeah. comics forward, but and, yeah. yeah. Um, and Watchmen. If, it, yeah. if you guys haven't read The Killing Joke, um, I'm sure... Like, I, I know they have the the entire story arc as a, like a single yeah. volume. Uh, go pick it up. Um, recommend Carol and John's. I'm sure they have many copies available for people to go get. Oh, yeah. Um, like It's one of those... like like just foundational pieces of Batman. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why um, Hamill wanted to come back because it's like, if you guys are going to do this, you're going to do this right. And with me and not, and and not only I think what, cause like it's, it's, it's iconic Alan Moore. Like if you need to read Alan Moore stories, like in, you know, daredevil, any Watchmen, or not daredevil. I'm sorry. I was thinking Frank Miller. Um, uh, Same vein though, in the sense like they've really got, they got down and like got down and dirty and realized the consequence of action, you know, and, and Alan Moore, yeah, like, like Watchmen is definitely worth a read. Um, you know, Killing Joke, and I know he did some Swamp Thing and uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, mm-hmm. and yeah, like Alan Moore, like just but Killing shaped Joke comics. Yeah, Killing Joke is one of his like famous pieces. It's the one if you've ever seen the Joker taking a picture with a camera sideways, smiling. That's that's like the iconic cover. Um, and it gets more horrific when you realize, like, when you read the story of what he's taking a photo of. Yeah, like that's that's the darkest p- piece of the art is like, oh, it's the Joker being silly. It is not. Nah, it's dark know? Joker. Yeah, and, and that's I think that was the big like like emergence of that type of archetype of the Joker, yeah. where it's like, it's funny to him. It's not funny to anybody else. Right, and like I know, like it, it centers around him basically trying to make Jim Gordon go insane. So. Yeah, so it, it definitely, like I'm excited for that. Um, as much as we like 
like um like lay down the altar of Marvel and be fanboys of Marvel, right? Because like we love Marvel. Uh, DC is kicking their butt in the animated like films. Like DC the, animated movies are awesome. Like they I, are. I yeah. know, I know we don't give a lot of love to to some of the movies and stuff, but yeah. like they're. I don't know what they're doing, but they're doing everything's are right. Really like, good. Yeah. There was one. What did I watch a couple years ago? Like, Under the Red Hood was really good. Did you see Under the Red Hood? I didn't see that one. Um, Bender was Joker, um, the guy that plays Bender in uh, Futurama. Oh, and, um, uh, John, DiMaggio? Joe DiMaggio, yeah. DiMaggio? Uh, he was Joker in that, and he was really good. That's like, cool. Yeah. Um, what was the one that I loved? There was one that... Um, well, there was also that Doom one that had... Uh, yes, Justice League Doom. Justice League Doom. Which, That's and, what it was. It was on Netflix. I don't know if it's there anymore. If it's That so, was like, really good. Yeah. I was kind of surprised. That, that, put, that puts Batman in a whole new light. Yeah, like, if you, it was good. If you're a Batman fan, you need to watch Justice League Doom because he is basically like you. Re- you kind of get a whole like everybody like I th- what was it? Uh, everybody always makes the jokes like Batman has no powers, but he's with everybody in Justice League. Yeah, just, but he Batman's always looking for that angle where he's like, sure things are great now, but if I could, if, if things ever turn south, what do I do to stop it? Yeah, and he he has contingency plans, and Doom is all about like that and it, yeah. it, it, it's it's really it's really good i'd i'd give it a i'd give it a watch so so um yeah like and there's other like other dc films like they're they're all uh pretty solid i i would recommend anything like i know nathan fillion does the voice of uh green lantern mm-hmm. so that's always fun and there's a couple that i've watched like i like it's it's hard for me and i know this is something that needs to change that we'll we'll jump into more of the dc comic like books themselves but I, I can't recommend the the animated movies highly enough, and some of the Marvel stuff's okay, but it's I don't know. Feels like yeah. they're the DC movies are like, oh, this is a story arc we liked. We're going to do it right as an animated film. I watched the uh, I watched the Suicide Squad animated one too. That was really good. That one I liked a lot. So like, was that more like I mean like traditional Suicide Squad? It wasn't like this amalgam that they're doing for the movie, right? Where it's like no, uh, it was mostly the. I think the only difference because they had uh, they had a uh, Harley Quinn and Deadshot. Okay. Um, and then like uh, killer, not they didn't have Killer Croc. They had um, the one shark guy. I can't remember his name. Shark guy. And then they had Captain Boomerang. Oh. Um, but it was. Who, I don't was, know who Shark Guy is, but I, I, he should be called Shark Guy. Shark Just kind of like how Marvel had Strong Guy. There should be Shark Guy. Shark Guy. Uh, the Fin of Justice. But it was the same same character. Same characters. The uh, mutant, not mutant, but like very. Very brutish, like vain okay. character that was like mixed with a killer uh, animal. So, so yeah, uh, excited for Mark Hamill coming back because I know he kind of retired from being the Joker, and I know Kevin Conroy is like like the rumor is he's coming back as Batman. And, and Joe told me, "What did you say about Kevin Conroy?" <laughs> Don't you can point. I was like, Kevin Conroy better stay in that booth as long as they're making Batman. No, that's not exactly what you said. What did you say? I'm not gonna say it. I think he said to me, he's like, he better die in that booth is what he's, I was like, is that a threat? You're like, no, it's like, that's just what he's born to do. But it comes off sounding like Kevin Conroy, you're not coming out of that booth until you do Batman all the time. And you're not even coming out then. <laughs> so no, so there, I can't there's say Joe that, with some veiled threats towards Kevin that, Conroy. That was, a, that was a mean Kevin Conroy threat. I'm sorry. <laughs> I love Kevin Conroy. Well, he's done it since like the animated series, right? Yeah. yeah. Like and I he, can't picture. And he has a distinct Bruce Wayne and Batman voice. And it's not the whole like, like, um, like Bale. I'm not wearing hockey pants. Yeah. No, because like with Conroy, it's like anybody else who does Batman's voice, like in animated stuff or games, like I start listening to it. I'm just like, this ain't Batman. Like I just—it's like it's like when you go and realize Santa, you're just like, or or like some you meet somebody who's dressed up as a character when you're a kid, and you're like, 
this isn't Superman. Like you just like completely your 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 disbelief is completely gone. That's true. And you know who did the Superman voice for a lot of the cartoons? Tim Daly. And you're gonna be like, who's that? No, no, no. He's the guy from uh, Wings. He's the other brother. He's not uh, Stephen Weber. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's, yeah. I think Joe is his name on Wings. Yeah, and it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I know who you're talking and about. And it's like he's one of those guys. It's like you wouldn't think like like he's Superman, and he's like like done really well Superman in, in terms of the voicing. That's crazy. And, well, uh, that's and I just, think that would be a fun thing to get into is to get into like voice acting, uh, maybe a different episode because there's a lot of really cool voice yeah. actors that we didn't realize. And like, like, yeah, and like this, and especially the DC movies, like you're talking about, like so many actors and voice actors are like staples for those characters, like Nathan Fillion doing Green Lantern and um, Mark Hamill doing the Joker. Like, so many people know Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker, but my God, he's done the Joker for longer than he was playing Luke Skywalker. And, and, and this is me not knowing my history that well, but I feel like he was kind of maligned as like Luke Skywalker for a bit. So that's kind of why he got into voice acting was more like, right. No one's giving me anything yeah. else. I'm going to do this. Well, he did an interview once I saw that was actually pretty entertaining where the Joker had a conversation with Luke Skywalker. <laughs> it was, it was pretty cool. That'd be funny. But uh, so yeah, it's exciting. Um, so yeah, anyway, but if anybody, people, please check out the DC animated movie. See, look, 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 DC love. There's some DC love right there. Um, all right guys, there's and, an ice cream truck coming. It may, it may be it. sweet tooth from the twisted metal series, yeah, but I don't know why this ice cream truck plays helter skelter, but you know, it's just, it's a thing, you know. It but, might um, be gone now. It might be gone. I heard okay. it. I, I heard it. So, sorry, guys. I know you guys got excited. We were going to pause the cast and just run out and get ice cream and, and come ev- back in for all our listeners. I was going to get one of those. What, was that a rocket pop? Where it's the just it's like the like the, the ice cream shaped in a rocket, but there's like a single gumball in the middle. Do you yeah. remember those? No, those were the screwballs. Was it the screwballs? What they called it? I thought so. It had a gum, a gumball at the bottom. Oh, I just remember it, it was a rocket and it had like a little gumball towards like the engine. It was like. but it was like no it was like a cone right maybe i don't like maybe you had fancier ice creams in cleveland and west virginia we're like lucky we were lucky to have an ice cream truck and it would it would travel all the 55 counties and it'd be like is this the year that it comes i don't know like you know i usually got the the push pop the flintstones push pop well wait they didn't like so it was a flintstones push pop can't you just buy those in the store shut up (laughs) the truck brought it to me all right. So, which, which speaking of which, I think I don't know if they're still doing it, but they had a promotion with Uber uh, like last week where you could you could pay twenty bucks and an Uber driver would bring you ice cream. Oh, is that real? Is that cost effective? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So they did. It, it, it worked. One of the guys that worked did it, and, and we and they were these little tiny ice creams. I mean, it wasn't anything fancy. But <laughs> so okay, I, I think it's interesting that we talked about like these animated movies where like um, scale like scope is like just limited to writing and animating, mm-hmm. so the budgets are low. I yeah. think that ties in perfectly to, to the exact opposite of what we're about to talk about. Yeah. And now for our feature presentation. Sharknado 3 came out. Um, Did it like, come out? I, I, said, it I said Sharknado. You didn't think I was going to make a poop joke, but I I said Sharknado. I thought it was coming out. No, it came know. out like last week. So Sharknado came out on Sci-Fi. You know, S-Y-F-Y came out last oh, week. Oh, I hate when they changed it to S-Y-F-Y. You know that was all for copyright, right? Like they wanted because the actual term sci-fi, they couldn't copyright. Really? Yeah. So they wanted something that was their own branding. That's ridiculous. Yeah, uh, which is unrelated. Uh, there is like that that s y f y, in like some weird Norwegian like Northern European language. It's it's something really foul. It's like why don't they just start adding Z's on the end of everything? <laughs> sci-fi's. Sure. Sci-fi's. On the- 
tonight on sci-fis yeah so sharknado 3 came out um the reason we mentioned it not because we're celebrating this um it got me thinking um and that's always a dangerous proposition because i have a friend of mine who is about 10 years younger than myself and he loves the sharknado movies and it's just uh this is also the same friend that wanted to sit down and watch after earth with me because he thought it'd be funny oh well wait because he thought it'd be funny or he wanted to watch it I, you if, know, if he's he like, says he wanted to watch it because he thought it'd be funny, but maybe he secretly really, really wanted well, to watch it. He thought it'd be funny to torture you, or he thought it'd be funny to like watch the the movie would be fun. like Sharknado's funny. Yes, I don't, I don't know, uh, but he's watched all the Sharknado movies. He's like, oh, he's like, it was so funny that like you know Mark Cuban was the president and all this stuff, and I'm like. Why is that funny? Like, I don't, but so there's a lot of cameos. Like my one friend yeah. from work, she watched, uh, she watched Sharknado one and two over the weekend and completely unrelated. She comes at me. She's like, I watched both Sharknados. Oh my God. They were so funny. And I'm like, that's funny. You should say that. Cause we're going to be talking about this on the cast. And she was like, there were so many cameos in Sharknado two. And I was like, I've heard. Well, I'm is like, that like, okay. So the question then is, 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 is just because there's a cameo, like is that funny because and then that's the same thing as like a like a family guy joke where it's like hey a reference something i know is that funny i think so yeah i mean i think that's kind of how it works because i mean cameos you get excited for like look at the stanley cameo you know what he does isn't funny like you're just like ah look who it is yeah i guess so okay the re so the genesis this whole thing of sharknado 3 came out and as well um over the weekend um so full disclosure I have not seen the Sharknado movies. Um, I was going to task Joe with that this week, but then he got distracted. I did. Just tell everybody real I quickly w- what you did instead of watching Sharknado. <laughs> what? You keep putting me out there, don't Yeah, you? I do. I just, he's, he's mad. So, so angry right now. So Anger noises. No, I've, watched, I've watched half of Sharknado 1, and it was tough for me to watch it. I don't know. Maybe I'm just Did you watch half of it? I didn't even know yeah, that you watched I, half no, of no, it. No, no, no. I watched half of the first Sharknado. Um, and like, so was I, it more Shark or Mornado? It was more shark. It was more shark than NATO. Um, was it more shark or more NATO? It was more shark. Uh, but like the thing with shark NATO, because like I, I, I know we always talk about enjoying a story and suspending disbelief, but it was just like I. St- it was almost like Forty Days and Forty Nights in a sense, where I'm like, oddly I, enough, that's produced by the same company, The Asylum. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, but like they have a hard time understanding how like water levels and water works. <laughs> And it bothered me to the point, like the so, so. The idea of a tornado of sharks didn't bother you. No, I could enjoy that and suspend. But like when you're on the freeway in L.A., okay, when you're on the freeway in L.A. and like everybody's at standstill traffic, and then all of a sudden there's waist high water, and there's sharks in the waist high water, and then there's not. And then the other one that really got me was like Ian Ziering. El Nino. I don't know. He I'd... he goes to rescue like Tara Reed and like his daughter from their house and they go in the house i thought you were gonna say drugs because it's tara reed <laughs> no oh okay and, the, and then they go in <laughs> no the tara house. reed no drugs there's a sharknado coming <laughs> stop it uh no they, one cared about you since american pie one they go in the house to get and like the house fills up with water and they're on the second story and they're like oh crap there's sharks in the house now and it's like they f- shotgun fight these sharks which was kind of funny and cool but then they get out to the driveway and the car's parked and there's no water like somebody so shotgun fighting sharks 
So they're fighting sharks with shotguns, uh-huh. or they themselves have shotguns, so they're fighting they sharks. They have shotguns, they're fighting sharks. Oh, you just made it a lot worse for me, because I want to see the, shot, the yeah. shark come up and be like, oh, there's a shark, and it has a shotgun. No, but it's like, while they were upstairs getting the kid, it's like somebody managed to fill the entire house up with water, but not outside. <laughs> and then when they get outside... It's, it, there's no water. Oh, water costs money, especially in California, because Magnum has it all. Because we found that yeah. out a couple weeks ago. Magnum actually, stole all the water. Actually, didn't they get debunked? Did he pay I, for it? I, supposedly, I think yeah. they just put that out after to make Magnum not sound so bad as a water yeah. water stealer. But anyway, like I, the whole thing was bothering. He's going to sue us for saying you can't call him a water stealer. Like Magnum, it, it, it would yeah. be raining, anyway. and there would be like this trickle of water that's going down the road, and then it, somehow it would suddenly fill with sharks. Like, <laughs> There was no like drastic like flooding where these sharks could like move, and I'm just like, oh, I would have probably enjoyed it more if they were just flying around so eating people. Were you were just waiting for like a reservoir full of sharks that just breaks, and then it's like it's like, oh no, it's just been too much, and they can't handle it, so all this water's rushing. Yeah, there was no and rushing. There's, sharks. there's no rushing water. It doesn't fill up. It's just all of a sudden inexplicable CGI sharks in water. Oh, okay. So I, but, I, I will admit I have not watched them. Um, I don't want to watch them, but I, it's just it's okay. So here, here, what it comes down to. But going back, yeah, you no, did please that, do. what yeah. I did. What I did do when I didn't do my homework. You're like, watch Sharknado, and I'm like, okay, no, I got sucked into like 1989 on Netflix because like um, not Netflix, just the actual year he went back in time. <laughs> I did. I was like, it was kind of like uh, Kung Fury. I was like standing on a, a keyboard, and um, but um. My girlfriend wanted it to was watch a Trapper Keeper with some cool race cars. You yeah. back in '89. She wanted to watch Twins with Danny Vito and Arnold Schwarzenegger. So we watched that, and then it was just kind of like a slippery slope. I was like, I haven't seen Tim Burton Batman in a while, and it's on here. I'm watch that. Then I was like, Oh, Bill and Ted, and then I watched both <laughs> Bill and Ted's. Like <laughs> then before you know oh. it, I'm like, Oh crap, it's Tuesday. I didn't watch Sharknado. <laughs> like, well, I don't think anybody can fault you, and I think. Maybe having a discussion about the Batman movies at some point would be interesting because mm-hmm. I, I have a lot to talk about with yeah. the Tim Burton Batman. But so what I did in the meantime, and so the genesis of this is not only because of Sharknado, um, we like something happened. When I was flipping through Netflix associated with the Wheel of Death, and we'll get to that later. Um, all like a lot of the Saw movies are on Netflix. I think really, I yeah, just a lot one. of them are. Um, and I have a problem with the Saw movies, and that's a whole other kettle of fish. Well, the, the first, kettle of sharks. The, the whole other Saw kettle of movie sharks. is a B movie, technically. Yeah, I, but, and I like. I mean, I know you hate Saw. I enjoy the first Saw movie. The just, first Saw yeah, movie. Yeah. Um. So, and then I basically had told Mary because she's like, I kind of like them. I'm like, Saw was a lot better. It was called Seven, and that's always been kind of my modus operandi. Is like Seven was yeah, cool. Yeah. So like so, but then I started thinking about the whole nature of like established things versus like like people that follow after. And then I started thinking about like B movies. So I went down like this wormhole, like AKA Wikipedia and reading about B movies. And I pitched this to Joe for the show. And I don't know why that rhymed, but it did um, about the nature of the B movie and the nature of the asylum, because there's always been like these lower budget movies that have come out. Right. So, and they, they've always strived to try to make back their budget. Then some, that's the whole point. Like, like I don't think there's ever been a movie made that's been made just to be like, you know what? This is important. We know it's not going to make any money and cost us a ton of money just to put out, but it's important. And maybe that's the case, but I think a majority of movies are made to make money. Yeah. Let's be honest. Anything creative that's put out for the public is made to make a return on. It is. So in, like looking at the history of, of what these movies have been. So if you look back to the 30s, 40s, um, there was a, um, like the big thing at the time was like sci-fi serials and westerns, and they were easy to produce, and a lot of studios would... 
um, put out their like what they call like their big quality titles and be like, well, if you want this title, you have to buy this one too. Right. And it became like this thing they like call a double feature. Yeah, but would they would do... call like a, a block booking is what they call it. Yeah. And a lot of these studios, they would work specifically with theaters being like, well, if you want all these cool movies, you got to buy all these one- other ones too. And the theaters bought into it because um, like in terms of average runtime, it actually was more cost effective to have the second movie as well. Yeah, because I know the B movies originally were not like a full length. Movie. They would kind of mirror like the the actual like runtimes of movies at the day in the day, but like as as movies got more sophisticated, the runtimes would go up. So like you know, a, a feature would be like a little over an hour, and then it slowly over time has went up to like two hours, and the B movies would follow. And the whole designation of a B movie really was like this is the lower budget movie that usually was made as a counter, um, like um, like counter programming to what was the A movie. Because the whole thing was to get people in the theater and provide them an evening's worth of entertainment. And so they'd always be like, well, if you want to see this movie, well, we have this one too to try to get like people interested in. Like, well, you may not be interested in a Western, but what if you had this romance story in here too? And it would be like trying right. to like, bring, like, appeal to everybody. And I was reading all about this. I feel and, like they do yeah. that with TV nowadays. They do. You're Which right. Which drives me crazy. Um, and I think a lot of that sensibility has kind of evolved. Um, so what do, you, then, what do you mean? Like evolve in the sense that like um, counter programming is evolved. Like in terms of like um, if something's on a certain night, then another sta- studio tries or station tries to counter program against that, and then also no, I'm talking like, about the writing. I'm talking about like how these groups of writers for television shows will get together, and you know they'll have a premise for um, the story, and then like all of a sudden it's like you know they get this group of this writing room, and then it's like they have to write for other characters. And it's just like, well, we're going to include your piece, which is not interesting about this person, but we're going to tie it in with the whole program so that people have to watch. And then everybody can kind of pick and choose what they enjoy about the show. Yeah. I mean, like, well, that there goes the whole thing of like CW with their like arrow and the flash. Like you have the romance storylines, but right. you it's, also have the superhero stuff, too. It's kind of yeah. that. But like it gets like when you get in certain shows like um True Blood, I think, is what really comes to mind. Is like you have a, a you yeah. have a, a, you have like these ensemble of characters, and it's like you have a main storyline, and it involves like maybe f- three or four people. But then like this side story takes place with like this person, this person, or these three people, and it's like you have these groups of writers who are probably writing this. And granted, I mean, maybe they're just writing it because they're part of the writers group, but that's not what they want to do. But it's like I, I I just want that blocked out. I would totally. Take, I would totally take a 10, 15-minute show about quality stuff that I'm interested in versus having to sit there and listen about, you know, somebody, I don't know. Have, feelings and stuff. No, not feelings and stuff, <laughs> but, like, I don't know, just a character that I just, I you know, have not been interested in two or three seasons. Well, that's fair. But it's so, like, I think that's a valid point. I, but in terms of, like, um, like the evolution of, like, the B-movie, um, which, I mean... I use that term and it's a good way to slap like on two movies that are like lower production and maybe not theatrical released. However, um, the, the big B movies tend to follow technology. Like in the big thing, like, you know, they would be like block booked with movie theaters. And then, um, as drive-in theaters became prevalent, the big thing was to have uh, spectacle movies that you didn't have to pay attention to because you're in the car and you have all those other things going on in the car where you're like talking to your family or eating your food or, other things that happen at drive-ins. And so you'd have like these movies that you didn't have to necessarily pay attention to for every single moment, but they'd have like fun moments and like these big, like, you know, bits at the end. And then, and then as you went from there, you went to the home video market, which is like 
that's really the crux of what's kind of going on now. Yeah. Um, and not so much like VHS tapes, but like since as production costs went down to make movies, the volume of these things would, would like, there's more of them. You would see more, yeah. I, yeah. I remember, like, a, a majority of horror movie sections in, in video stores were um, a lot of B-movies. Well, because they make, their, product, they make their, their budget back and then some, because yeah. those are easier to market. Because people, and that, that's a whole other discussion, I guess, where expectation level is easy to meet with that as long as you have certain elements, right? Right. So this this comes really down to, like, so other B-movies, as you go history-wise, you got Roger Corman, who they call him the king of the B-movie. He was really good at, like, taking a number of, of movies and producing them cheaply, but also taking assets he had at the time and trying to add a certain amount of uh, polish to them. Yeah. Not that I'm saying that Corman movies, there's some really bad Corman movies. Like there's we, some bad, there's some good like ones. Death Race is bad, but it's fun. Yeah, Death Race is a lot of fun. <laughs> he made a really bad Fantastic Four movie once that uh, I've not seen. So he <laughs> was the first. Which, he was the first yeah. one to make one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they belayed his reviews too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> they're still pending. But but the thing about Corman though is that he also was in the studio system and knew how to make movies. So he knew how to make almost shoestring budget, well, and he also recognized talent that was cheap right. at the time, but knew they were up and coming and, like and gave them a chance. Uh, Jack Nicholson yes. was in uh he did a production of The Raven. Yes. Like cuz Corman liked a lot of Poe from what I understand. And it was cheap to get because yeah. it was kind of not public domain but it was not really expensive property. Right. And, yeah. and and speaking of that, you know who else does a lot of stuff like that is Yui Bull who does a lot of like video game B movies is he gets that Yeah, like, but cheap it's not license. the same. No, yeah. it's not the same, but he does the same type of like, you know, low production cheap uh uh, uh tactics to try and get the the titles and things like that. Yeah. And um like like Jack Nicholson came up in that, and then like I know Corman also helped out like a lot of people like Scorsese and stuff like that. Well, I was going to mention um, Ron Howard. Yeah, Ron um, Howard. He, like he like Ron Howard really wanted to direct because he was known as Opie and known as Richie from Happy Days. He really wanted to get into movies, and he's like, okay, fine, you know what? I'll let you direct a movie of mine, but you have to star in one. Yeah, and so he ended. Up, I forget what the name of the movie was. Some kind of like like um, road movie, like you know, with a, like a car chase or something. And then he ended up directing one. And Corman said that you know, if this person's good enough, they'll never have to direct one of my movies again. But if they're not going to cut in Hollywood and they come back to ask for a second movie, he's like, I know they're going to be stuck forever. So he gave Ron Howard a chance. Yeah. So he was able to recognize talent and kind of get them on their way. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying that those movies are good, but he. Like Corman, I don't know. Like, I just maybe I'm not defending him, but he found a way to make a lot of interesting movies on the cheap. Some of them not good, some of them interesting. But he always wanted to make interesting movies. Ultimately, um, and taking the post stuff, and 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 also like I know the Pit and the Pendulum, the Raven. Yeah. Like he did a lot of interesting, like not gothic. That's not the right word, but very romantic type of like horror movies, right? And that was also kind of like him and Hammer kind of like made those kind of movies happen. So that was interesting. But then you move into the eighties where there was like, um, production costs were going down and the home video market was blowing up. Right. So you have, uh, trauma. They kind of came out in the late mid mid eighties. Like Kaufman stuff. Like the Tromaville stuff. Right. So trauma pictures, which, so this gets to, um, like my, my week that I've had, uh, (laughs) um, I decided since I like, you know, like I'll, I'll, I'll just straight up right now. I don't like the asylum. Like, and then that's my stance. I don't like them. And I'll uh, like, I feel like they prey upon people's expectations of what they want. And I, I guess I can't fault them for making money off of what they do, but I hate the bait and switch that they pull on people. Um, but I feel like with trauma and they make bad movies, don't get me wrong. They do too, but they made original movies. 
And um, like I, so the movies that I subjugated myself to this week were uh, Class of Newcomb High, which was from uh, uh, what was it, eighty uh, six. Um, and I watched the Asylum movie, um, Grim Avengers or Avengers Grim. I'm sorry, is the name of it, which was, just came out right before Age of Ultron. And then I also watched a movie from uh, Full Moon Productions or Full Moon Pictures, which yeah. was a uh, Dollmaster X. Uh, Axis Rising. So that's the 10th Dollmaster movie, by the way. Puppet Master. Puppet Master, Dollmaster. My girlfriend's going to kick my butt because I said Dollmaster. <laughs> I was like, wait, yeah. Dollmaster? I'm like, I know Puppet Master you know, Access. Like, Doll Lord 7. You know, like, no. <laughs> Puppet Master X, Axis Rising. Yeah. So I, I subjugated myself to all this, including the Wheel of Death. So people should feel sympathy for me. Um, I, with Class of Newcomb High, um, not a good movie. Really cheaply made original idea and it was about like a a, um a a nuclear uh like reaction like like facility like a power plant starts leaking um like you know waste to a local high school that gets into the water into the local pot supply because it's the 80s so everything's about pot yeah and then there's this weird thing where the local like at the high school the honor society becomes like a bunch of savages kind of like mad max style and they're just like just tearing up this high school, and and like the and, and but it's also kind of like this like total eighties like sex comedy where everyone's all they want to do is get laid and smoke pot. Not good, but original, <laughs> cheaply he, made. But it's also exploitation, which is a lot of these movies. Yeah, he loves he loves him some toxic waste, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's like he must have bought it in bulk. Yeah. Where, like so, uh, the yeah Kaufman the the guy, Lloyd Kaufman who did that he he also did Toxic Avenger. If, anybody's familiar with that so here here's your bonus fact uh lloyd kaufman right um you, you know the seven degrees of kevin bacon game yeah. right so yeah. here, here's your here's your bonus fact lloyd kaufman will go and and help a lot of uh, low budget productions because it's kind of how he made his bread and butter uh-huh. uh he was in a short film that i was in years ago uh called the losers have a junkyard right and he was briefly in it i didn't get to meet him because he was there the day before but i was in the short film so if you do the kevin bacon game I am tied to pretty much everybody in Hollywood because of Lloyd Kaufman. Because <laughs> he actually was associated with Rocky. Like, he actually had a part in Rocky. So if you wow. do, like, the Kevin Bacon game, I'm tied to almost every celebrity in Hollywood because of Kevin Bacon, because of Lloyd Kaufman. There you go. There you go. So like, you, you may never meet Sylvester Stallone, but you can meet me, and then you're two steps away. Cool. So Joe's, like, three steps away from Sylvester Stallone. So there you go. Are you are you happy about that? I think I'm more happy. I'm four steps away from Arnold Schwarzenegger. There you go. See there. <laughs> <laughs> so I watched that. Um, like low production, like low cost, but like there was a sense of uh, exploitation because so there's like weird violence, like weird nudity, like I and um and but the whole thing is like it was original, and I guess that's the only defining thing about it that I would actually defend. Uh, move forward to uh, full moon which they've been doing movies for years. Yeah. Um, like uh, Charles Band is the guy behind all, like the, the Puppet Master movies, not mm-hmm. Doll Master. He did a movie called Doll Man, though. There's another one that they have that's like a vampire one, too. Subspecies. Subspecies. Yeah, yeah. and like, so here, you know what? Like the whole thing with him, though, is that he wanted to make movies with high production value with a low budget. So he wanted to actually make them look like they were worth more than what they were. Yeah. And I think that's ultimately the goal of a movie is to make it look like it's worth more than what it is, right? So um, there was the Puppet Master movies. I watched this Axis of Evil movie. No, sorry. Axis Rising. 
I apologize to anybody that likes these movies. They keep messing up the names. Um, I'm sure they probably already shut us off by now. They're like, I'm going to go play with probably, my puppets. As soon as you were I'm like... i play with my, my doll men. Yeah. Like, <laughs> as soon as you were like, I don't like Asylum, they were already getting the puppets out of the box. Yeah, right. So uh, even with this, like, um, I watched... Um, this this movie where it was puppets versus Nazi puppets, yeah, it, like it was well, it was weird. They do um oh uh, it was demonic toys. They do another mm-hmm. one called demonic toys, which they basically spoof their own uh like line because like puppet masters ten puppet master movies ten or eleven puppet master movies yeah. that, that Full Moon has put out, and then they like in the er, in the early two thousands or late eight or late nineties they put out uh, the demonic toys series and, and they even had a demonic toys versus puppet master yes, movie yeah, yeah. They, so they had their two franchises fight yeah which which is kind of cool I mean I, I'll give this to to them right so Charles Band he, he's created his own universe well before like. The whole Marvel the Cinematic Universe, right? <laughs> so, like, he knows exactly what people want, uh-huh. and he's going to produce it, right? So, and watching that movie, I mean, it was still a little little long and a little dry. It actually, and I was telling Joe about this, like, yesterday, because we started talking about this whole process. Um, when you watch a movie, there's a lot of things that go on in a movie that you take for granted as a viewer, but you don't think about. So... With Puppet Master, there's still actually what they call focus pulls where you have, like, they start a shot where you have somebody in the foreground, they're in focus, and the background's blurry. And then when that person in the background speaks, the, the, it shifts focus where, the, like, suddenly the person in the front goes blurry and then the back they come crystal clear. There's a lot of focus pulls where it actually drew your attention as a viewer, so that was smart. There was a lot of slow camera movements where you had stuff in the foreground and the people in the background talking, so you actually felt like they were trying to build an actual, like, emotion in the scene so charles band can actually direct a scene i'm not saying it's high art i'm not i'm not saying that puppet master's high art but there's filmic qualities to it i feel like though that everything he puts out now should go through a filter like it's a vhs tape and then i'd be totally behind it yeah i'd feel like this is something i want to put in the vhs that i've had for years it's kind of degraded because now it's like hd and it feels a little weird. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like you can yeah. you can see more of the the mistakes and the quality. Well, like even Class in Newcomb High on Netflix, it's the original film print, but it's like really clean looking, and it doesn't feel right to me. Yeah, because like growing up with my VCR, I watched my copy of Aliens over and over again, and that thing wore out. But I love <laughs> I love the look of it, and the effects hold up better on that VHS tape than they do on the DVD because there's a little little bit of grain to it, a little bit of blur. Yeah, and I know what you mean. Yeah, and so the Puppet Master stuff, I, you know, I get it. And there's an audience for that. Like, uh, Charles Band actually has, like, a full moon, like, Netflix service that they have that you can subscribe to and watch all his movies. And, and not the, he's not the one behind all of them, but he's, like, the mastermind of full moon. Yeah, right? and I think, well, he's done, uh, he did, like, a dinosaur family movie, too, pre-hysteria. Pre-hysteria. Pre-hysteria, yeah. yeah it actually did, did really well, yeah. actually. Yeah. So that's, like, kind of a little George Miller-esque right there, like, like I'm gonna I'm gonna do Mad Max. Are these people killing each other in the desert and then he, happy feet. <laughs> yeah, right. But his like even Charles Band knows that like what makes money and what he wants to do. And like he knows that like there was like there, there needs to be failing movies. There needs to be horror movies. He even has like a light erotica section, right? Like like well, semi cowboy doors. If you were walk into yeah. like <laughs> like I remember hashtag look, cowboy doors. <laughs> looking at like the full moon uh, umbrella, and there's like there's full moon entertainment there's like moonlight productions there's like a there's like a couple of different like like uh, like moonbeam or something yeah yeah and they all kind of like have a different genre like you were saying so So, okay so that gets me to like the other movie i watched right 
And um, and we're going to get to the Wheel of Death here shortly, I promise. So thank you, everybody, for putting up with my terrible trek through these movies. Um, I watched um, an Asylum production called Avengers Grimm that was their answer to Age of Ultron. Because what what the Asylum does is they do put out their original movies, which is take two animals, mash them together, and have it fight something. That's their one like main thing, like Sharktopus or... I thought, um, I thought uh, uh, what's his name, did Sharktopus? I don't know. Like Lavalantula. I don't know if you know that. I think that's an asylum thing. Lavalantula. Like, really Slothcano cool. is not anybody, but that's a great name for something. Like, I saw that online. Slothcano is a great name. I saw an ad for sci-fi. I don't know if it was legitimate or not, where it was a couple of dice, and you would just roll, and it would be like sloth, Slothopus. <laughs> like, you would get, you would just roll two dice, and then that would be like the next movie that they would make. Sure, right. So... Um, I watched this Avengers Grimm movie, which is supposed to be basically here. Joe, I'll tell you the, the whole premise. You tell me if you want to watch this. No. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. Guess we're done with the show. Good night, no. everybody. Good no. times. <laughs> um, Go ahead. Instead of, instead of the Avengers that you know, let's just take all the fairy tale princesses that are public domain and make them fight Rumpelstiltskin, who is Casper Van Diem, right? So you have Sleeping Beauty, um, uh, freaking um, hair girl, Rapunzel, um, it's Snow White. Uh, Red Riding Hood's in there, too. Whatever. She, she's the archer, by the way, just so you're aware. And then... Um, um, who's Iron Man? Cinderella is also in there, too, right? Who's, who's Iron Man? Um, <laughs> Lou Ferrigno is Iron Man. Um, no, who... Well, no. You, did, they, did they not try to model them after the Avengers? No, they didn't. They Basically, oh, okay, imagine... you said the archer. I was yeah, thinking Hawkeye. Yeah, you no, know, no. Pretty much in the arrow noise that kept, like, every single time was something from, like, Arrow the TV series. It was, like, that, that same sound effect every single time. Oh, God. Um, so you had, like, these four or five... Five, maybe. I can't... I, I lost count. These, these, like, you know, girls that are, like... They're all really attractive, like, no doubt. But, like, they're like, hey, what if we took Marvel and Public Domain... And also Disney princesses mash them together and try to make like a superhero movie. And it was it also with a touch of Masters of the Universe where the first five minutes is set in their fantasy world and then the rest of it's set in like Los Angeles. Like, cause they couldn't afford to do fantasy world. We're just going to do city streets where there's six people living in it the entire time. Is it like that? Uh, is it like that video I showed you from Key and Peele? <laughs> Pretty much where it's like your budget goes <laughs> down. Runs you out of people. money. Okay. Everybody out of fantasy land. Let's go. So yeah, it, not a good movie. Lou Ferrigno's in it. Casper Van Diem's in it. They're, they're the only two people worth watching in this movie. I'm going to tell Joe right now and he's going to give me his reaction. So Lou Ferrigno, the Hulk. Yeah. He just plays a dude named Iron Joe. You're like, oh, okay. Maybe this guy's like, he's just, he's just a hard ass. He makes a deal with Rumpelstiltskin. Suddenly his skin turns all silvery and he becomes Iron Joe. It's painted on. Like you see him with silver paint. You see Lou Ferrigno covered in silver paint being angry. How do you feel about that? What? How do, you, how do you feel about that? I mean, he had green paint. <laughs> I guess. I guess. I guess his name is Angry Joe. Why, I guess I'll make him green. Why am I typecasted as a guy that gets painted? Yeah, and Casper Van Diem is Rumpelstiltskin, which is basically they're like, hey, you know Loki from the Avengers? Let's just do that. That's and he was actually fun in the movie. Which please don't watch this. Don't give them any support whatsoever. My problem with this, We're though, talking about it, and then everybody's like, "Oh, this I sounds good." Like, no, yeah, oh, yeah, no, no. no. You, could, you know what? Let's just get right to it. I, I have some dialogue from the movie. I'm going to play this. You for know you what? Right though, now. like, yeah. it's one of those things. Like when you tell people not to look, they're going to look. They're going to look. Yeah. So here, here is um, here's a bit of dialogue from this movie. You think royalty is a luxury? It's not. It makes you a target. We are not heroes. 
Yeah, hit that trumpet. Yeah, that's it, right? So it's just like so they were trying this whole like did you hear that was um Cinderella, I think. Yeah. Like so none of them have like any semblance of like an accent. Like not that I guess they like but they all sound what, what American. Kind of accent with Cinderella? I don't know, but like the whole thing is like Eastern none of European? them sure, right? But like, you know, it's just like I got these dwarves with me, it's fine. Whatever. Um is that no, it's no white. I I got them yeah. all messed up. I don't you know I don't know princesses. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. You're but lost in the movie. The whole thing is like, I feel like they're <laughs> like, well, Joss Whedon has written sna- like snappy dialogue. We can do that too. This movie felt like a first draft and they're like, good enough. And they went on with it. And I'm sure there's people out there that went to a red box and paid a dollar for this thinking that it has something to do with the Avengers. And that's my well, problem. That, I know that's how they get everybody. I remember like looking, you know, when other movie transmorphers. Well, that's funny that you say that. So, um, I, I looked this up. Um, the, the asylum was founded by a director, David Michael Latt. Um, let's see here. And David, uh, Rem- Um, let's see here. The compass, the, the company focused on straight to video, low budget films. Um, they were trying to make horror films and they didn't do so well until 2005 when they produced a low budget adaptation of H.E. Wells, the war of the worlds, which was released uh, the same year as Steven Spielberg's war of the worlds. Uh, I remember when that came out, you're going to, re- here's exactly why. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Blockbuster Incorporated ordered 100,000 copies of this movie. No! A significantly larger order than any of the other companies' previous releases, resulting in them considering their reconsidering their business model. So Blockbuster is the reason why the Asylum changed gears and is now making shit. Paul, you know what that means. What that means is we're responsible for this. No! Spoiler alert. I'm going to play it. Here yeah. it comes. This is a big spoiler alert. Where's the set? Spoiler! Spoiler alert! Joe and I used to work at Blockbuster. We apologize <laughs> for these movies coming out. That's where about. That's where me and Paul met. So. Yeah, that's where we met. We and we. It's it's never been the same. We always hold hands. But yeah. but because of that freaking company we worked for wow. saying, "Hey, this is a cheap knockoff. We're going to buy a lot of copies of these movies." God. They reconsidered their business model. And now they're doing this all the time. I remember when we got that in and I'm like, <laughs> the hell are so many of these here for? I'm like, it was like a whole wall. And I'm like, this isn't the Tom Cruise one. What is going on? <laughs> like, We destroyed good taste. Congratulations. Wow. Oh, did, well. Did you did you find that? Like, was that a big plot twist? Was that, that a big? Was a, uh, that was a really cool plot twist. I think that was cool. Yeah. Mind so, blown. So now, now, so now I have this from, from now on. We're Avengers. Don't there you go. It, we're, we're Avengers. Don't do it. Don't and, play oh, okay. We're not playing that again? We're Avengers. You didn't like that? Okay, fine. Um, so that was my big plot twist is that Joe that's, and I are responsible that's crazy. for this. Well, I'm glad Netflix killed us then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But they're buying all this shit. That's my problem. Like, so my question to you, and I know we've been dragging this on and we haven't even gotten to the wheel of death portion of things yet. Um, like, should we as viewers be excited and happy for like purposely like like shoddily produced movies should we be happy for them people are excited about this stuff people are excited about sharknado people are excited people love, oh, oh people i'm so angry i hit things He's, yeah paul's getting pretty heated here i'm getting surly uh yeah i think we should one of the dwarves I, right i think like, i think we should be excited um i mean not you and i in in general because i mean b movies have a special place for for certain people and there's b movies i've enjoyed which i can go back and laugh about you know a lot of like in the 80s and stuff like that like what like what do you what do you enjoy? like you made me watch street trash as part of the original wheel of death yeah it, as bad as that movie was it was original 
and they tried to do something. I don't know what that was, but they tried to do something, right? And a lot of B-movies were also a lot of ways for people to, to mock and question what was going on socially and get away with it because you can use a horror movie or a sci-fi movie to question a lot of things, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know what the there, – there's no value added with this stuff. That's my problem. Well, I mean, technically, if you look at, uh, and, and this goes back to horror, if you look at, like, Romero's stuff, that's technically a B-movie. Well, you, you're right. Like, in the, the, I read a whole thing about, like, Night of the Living Dead did, did really well in spite of its low budget. Rosemary's Baby also did really well. And those were kind of the fringe type of ideas that yeah. didn't actually happen, like, in mainstream, like, movies at the time, right? Right. But, like, um, both had a lot of interesting things to say, like, about about a woman's place in the world of like Rosemary's baby. And then also about race um, and reaction in terms of like night of living dead. I, those movies aren't like the smartest, but they had a lot to say what I'm saying about like the asylum. And, and maybe I'm just that angry old man that this is angry about everything, but I feel like, and, and oh, here's a quote. Where did, I, where did I find that at? I'm not trying to dupe anybody. This is from um, the lat uh, Michael Lat, David, Michael Lat. I'm just trying to get my films watched. Other people do tie-ins all the time. They're just better at being subtle about it. Another studio may make a giant robot movie that's called that ties into Transformers and call it Robot Wars. We'll call ours Transmorphers. His whole thing is about visibility. It isn't about quality. And I think there's a difference. Yeah, because I think that whole thing with the, the titles basically pulls people in. You know, they see Transmorphers. They see H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds and not just War of the Worlds. The day the, the Earth stopped. That was another one. Snakes on a Train. Like, they've, they've had... Even like, Snakes on a Plane was a B-movie. Well, yeah, but that was its own thing. But then they made Snakes on a Train, right? Yeah, right. So, like, I, I guess my whole thing is, like, you make shit, but make your own original shit, is what I mean, I'm there were a lot of bad 80s B-movies when Absolutely. I was a kid that I loved. Like, Chud and Chopping Mall. Chopping Mall was great, but not really. The yes. stuff. Like, the I stuff. love the stuff. I love the stuff. Um, no, no, but like you're, you're mentioning things that uh, as they are all ridiculous, they're their own things. They're all exploitive and weird and disgusting. Like I, and those are like the stuff still is weird to me and it still creeps me out as a kid. Even now, like thinking about it, like they're their own, like they, um, they didn't have to tie into like, I know the stuff is kind of a take on the blob, yeah. but it didn't have to be like, we need to make this exactly like the no, blob, but not really, and, you know? Like, and like you brought up, I mean, it's original. It, killer yogurt. like <laughs> It's a frogurt, but it's, it's cursed. Yeah. But like, I mean, in the 80s, it was different because you don't have the production and, and the, the amount of like exposure. I think now people can sit here and wait for the next Puppet Master and get hyped about it. Whereas before, when you went to the video store as a kid or even as an adult in the 80s. I would actually seek out the full moon stuff when it was there. Like, You're right. You would, yeah. see, you would see Puppet Master on the shelf and be like, whoa, they did another Puppet Master, you know? So, and, you know, or you'd see something and the cover would just be ridiculous. It would be a robot holding a bag of body parts called Chopping Mall. And yeah. you'd be like, okay, I'm interested. You're right. and I, But I guess the whole thing is like, I, I just it, it pisses me off that the that they have acknowledged that their business model is visibility as opposed to any attempt at quality. It completely is. I mean, that does that make it's um. It, but, but you get like like Charles Band, which I'm not saying those movies are good because they're they're not. They like the whole Puppet Master uh, Axis Evil I just watched. Like, there's actually like redeeming bits in it, but there's also times where you could totally tell that they used a microphone 
on the set and they moved it as far away as they could to get out of the camera and you hear that echo in the room. Like, so their production quality sound wise isn't high Yeah, and you could tell that they had a limited budget, but it was like, at least you could tell that it was made with love. I don't, I don't know how to like quantify that. I guess it feels like, it feels like everybody well, knows that the, this is a joke and they don't care. And yeah. that's what drives me nuts about it. I can understand that. Like, I think like with Birdemic. Asi- like, As- Asylum, I can see them. Because, like, from, from the get-go with, like, uh, War of the Worlds and Transmorphers, I remember looking at those movies going, I know what you guys are doing and it's not cool. Like, So, in your time working at Blockbuster, how many times did you see those goddamn movies being rented? Like while we're working there, not that much actually. <laughs> uh, you know, I'd see people come in. There were they did a, they did a comedy called Sex Pot. I don't know if you remember that or not. It's asylum. It was like this weird, like rompy sex movie about people smoking pot. And was like, Anna whatever. Ferris in it? <laughs> no, no, no. She I, was I, in a movie like something. Maybe that was that. I don't remember. But all I remember is that we got that return one day, and someone took the time to write a post-it note in there saying, "This is the worst movie I've ever seen in my life." That's And they put the post-it note. So what I did is open it up and made sure that I put it on the back of the DVD so anybody that picks it up and can flip it around and see the post's note from like the person that wrote that. I probably would have gotten in trouble yeah. for that, but no one would ever pick up that movie. More more people. You know what that's bad though because like they wouldn't have that till they got home and they paid for it. Yeah. But no, but it was like like on the outside. Like I made sure it was like visible that they could oh. see the post and note that this is the worst movie they've ever seen. So I was like, you know what? That's kind of like a handwritten Yelp review. I'm just going to go ahead and leave it. Yeah. I um, mean, unfortunately, uh, I, no. Are you sweating all over the I, mic? I do. I lean out of the mic a lot. We're sweating a lot. People, yeah. you don't even understand. I've lost three pounds since the start of this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, it's like a sauna anyway. with men. I don't know. But no, but my question though is like you you have um, you have a refined taste. I'm not I'm not saying that we like high art or whatever because we do enjoy different like levels of movies. And I have friends who enjoy these asylum movies. But should we expect? Should we just be happy that it's poorly produced? That's what drives me. Are you, me just, nuts are you about talking this. specifically about asylum or just B movies? <sighs> Um, I can't, they're, they're the worst I, offenders. I can't because IFC asylum, has yeah. their IFC midnight like like label that they put on things. Uh, Magnet is another like house that releases movies. Like well, I just watched something by Magnet. Where did I watch? Magnet has some decent stuff sometimes, um, they, but they're not yeah. so much a producer of movies. But they find ones and they let, like like Nerdist recently. Um, they are um, doing they, they're releasing a movie called The Hive that they come across that they're actually, you know what? This is worth distribution. And um, I don't know if you've seen the trailer for it, but it's really cool. And so like, like the nerdist, I mean, not the pimp another podcast, which like Chris Hardwick is awesome. So we're going to, yeah, yeah. it's, it's, it's so good. Right. So, but they're, but they're starting to branch out and be like, this is worth our time. And um, I maybe even, I don't know if you've seen it follows. Um, I haven't seen it, but I've heard of it. I I bought it. Like I bought it on Blu-ray. It's really cool. I'll have to let you borrow it. I think, I think IFC also released that as well. Okay. So like, like they, they, there is quality releases for low budget movies coming and out there, you know? No, I didn't put, I didn't put, I was going to put one of the movies, one of the B movies. I was going to put rest stop. You saw rest stop, didn't you? (laughs) I own it, but I haven't watched it yet. What? No. Right. I think you gave me that. Really? Yeah, That's years a ago. Good movie. So like, maybe that, we should I move think on to IFC, that. Yeah. I think IFC does that too. So no, I, you're right. I think that was um, so. Okay, let's, let's move on from that. I, maybe maybe my discussion and my argument isn't as, as solid as I was trying to present it as such. But I think that there's a difference between liking no, a movie. Your your argument's fine. You're basically like from what asylum. What you're saying, mm-hmm. like I, I agree with you. Asylum does 
they're kind of like the I don't know what the word is. Well, it's like those people that feel like, you know what? The bait and switch of the B movie. Like, we're going to just go ahead and put out a a terrible Smurfs movie because we know families will pay money for people to watch it. Right. And I like, like, I would love to be in the position to be able to make like low budget horror movies, but I wouldn't just be like, you know what? That's going to trend well. We're just going to go ahead and put that out. Right. They're they're solely banking on coattails, and that's not how you do it. Like, you know, all the, the full moon stuff, you know, that like, as, as, as questionable as it is, they're making their own world. Right. And I respect that. Yeah. Like, like, um, like, I don't know, like, like, um, there is, and, and I'm sure we'll talk about this coming soon. There is that convention that comes to Strongsville, Ohio, every six months called uh, cinema wasteland. That is a celebration of B movies and horror movies. Yeah. And they end up getting like a lot of these B actors. Like I know this time around coming in October, they're celebrating Texas chainsaw, is it two or three? But they got a lot of actors from that. Like last time around, it was Maniac Cop. Like they, like there is, these are all still even, even, even the sequels. These are original ideas, and there's people that are associated with it that you love these things because is even if they barely made their budget back, they made another one. They're like, let's just go ahead. This is what the fans want, as opposed to this stuff where it's like the the asylum will forecast and say, well, this is coming out in like three months right let's slap like you know they did a like they not a parody they did a mockbuster. i hate that term of pacific rim yeah i believe that uh, called atlantic rim oh no i didn't watch it because i like pacific rim it's not a great movie but i like it so i didn't watch that and i like avengers age ultron so i watched this avengers grim and like you know so mm. like this we're avengers we're avengers you know like it's just it just drew me nuts because in watching that movie what drove me like absolutely batty about it is a, it felt like it was like, it was competently directed because it got you from the beginning of the story to the end of the story. Though I still feel like there was a ton of dialogue that didn't need to happen. It was all these like just static shots that you just did not care about. Um, yeah, I know we're dragging on, like we're going like, I'm, I'm dragging you guys you down with me. Yeah. yeah. Calm down. No, That's why I, I am not calming down. All right. We got to move on the wheel okay, of death. Fine. <laughs> going to happen so okay wheel of de- so you want okay so wheel of death um so talking about crappy movies and i'm sorry that I went on the warpath about that but <laughs> it, it, it'll happen it'll, it'll come back right like joe is now five pounds sitting in a chair he's just he's just a voice on a microphone now he's sweated away everything that's going on tonight and i'm i'm just a hat and microphones now i'm actually not too bad now the sun's down yeah <laughs> i'm i'm dying and i don't know if it's because of the asylum or whatever or the wheel of death Joe put a number of movies out there, and we randomly selected Jack and Jill. Woo! Woo! The, Which the, Jack and Jill was the 2011 movie starring Adam Sir, Sandler, Sir Adam Sandler, Sir Adam Sandler. <laughs> that could be wrong, Sir, and, and Sir Adam Sandler, and Sir Adam Sandler as his sister. So, so the challenge I gave myself, and and Joe can type me here, is that I, I hope that you as an audience can forgive me. That I'll say nothing but good things about the movie, but I feel like I should be given a time frame for that as opposed to saying only good things and then we end the show. So, like, uh, how many minutes are you going to give me? Mm, let me see here. Hopefully it's 15 seconds. Uh, no, let's, let's, do, let's do three minutes. Three minutes? Yeah. Okay. Ready? Uh, okay. All right, so, Paul, so tell me about Jack and Jill. What did you love about it? Um, it was pretty great to see um, Garth. Um, back out there, uh, 
what was his name? Garth. The guy Dana played. Carvey? Dana Carvey. He was in it for a second. It was good to see him. For a second? Yeah, he was a puppet master in like a, a brief scene. Like who, like what was your, what was the scene that made you laugh out loud? Um, I can't say I laughed out loud. What was, um, okay, then what was the scene that, you know what? that no, made no, no. you. The, the part that I actually chuckled at. There was a part I chuckled at. Oh. There was a bit. So Jack and Jill, the main conceit is that Adam Sandler plays himself. Well, not himself, I guess. He plays a guy named Jack, and he has a identical twin sister, which is scientifically impossible, but I'll allow for uh, for the movie. Um, and then the, his twin sister, her name's Jill. Mm-hmm. She somehow catches the eye of Al Pacino, and Al Pacino is a major character in the movie, and he tries like to romance uh, Adam Sandler as Jill, right? Okay. So they're back at the Al Pacino uh, palace, and they're doing something where... They're playing some like kind of stickball game or something in, in the, his house because mm-hmm. he's from New York, from the from the, the Bronx, and he wants to play stickball. She takes a swing and hits his Oscar and it breaks it. And she's like, oh, I'm, I'm sure you have more than that. He's like, you'd be surprised. And I thought that was actually really funny okay. that Al Pacino calls out that he only got one Oscar. Okay. And so that, that was actually pretty funny. Okay. Like, that was the one moment I'm like, okay, I get it. So um, we're only at, what, a minute and you're, a half? You're halfway okay. done. Um it was competently directed by uh, Dennis Dugan, who, um, if you may recall, he directed Big Daddy, which was actually okay. Okay. Uh, he also directed Saving Silverman, which is one of my favorite bad movies of all time. Um, he's a Happy Madison regular. Uh, Nick Swartzen was in the movie for a second, oh. which he's okay sometimes. Sometimes. Tim Meadows. I like Tim Meadows. I miss him. I wish he was in more things. Okay. Tell um, me some more about the story, though. You're talking about how you love all these David actors. David Spade was dressed up in drag as a woman in the movie at the very end. Oh, so that he got Spade to dress he up got, in drag. He got, and you know what? Weirdly hot. Was Kevin like, James in it? No. I mean, no? you would think. Were you upset Kevin James wasn't in it? I like Kevin James, but I don't I don't know how I feel about uh, Kevin James all the time and all of them. But uh, <laughs> but no, David Spade was a hotter woman than Adam Sandler was. That's like, I like like Mary called it out before I noticed it. So <laughs> like, she's like, that's David Spade. I'm like, I was like, well, I was going to look up that woman because she's kind of kind of hot in like an older milfy kind of way. But it was, it was totally like I was all about uh, the Jane Dirt. Uh oh, the yeah. Jane Dirt. <laughs> yeah. So like that was okay. Um the the like the cruise line they went on in the second half of the movie for the celebrate Christmas that uh-huh. those Carnival Cruise a lot yeah. of product pl- product were there a lot the, of the, were there a lot of funny parts in it in the cruise in part? the cruise part yeah was there a lot of funny parts in the movie um I mean I um we got stop not, stalling nine seconds. seconds you're just you're three, just making three, noises four get, fine but, all right uh, you're good no, okay uh, we, uh, okay so all right so I said nice things about the movie. Now I'm going to play this. This is insane, man. You got to call him. Oh, will you stop already? You know all he wants to do is play Twister with your sister. That's the whole movie is that. Other than ELO, which I don't know why they even got that in the trailer. That makes me feel bad for ELO. It makes me feel bad for Drew Carey that was in the movie for a second because they did a Price is Right moment. I feel bad for Norm MacDonald being in the movie. I feel bad for Hot David Spade being in the movie. I feel bad. Who else was briefly in the movie? John McEnroe was in the movie for a second. McEnroe's in like a lot of stuff. Um, uh, Bill Romanowski was in the movie for a second, which I don't expect you to know who that is. He was a defensive player for the Raiders for a number of years in the Broncos. Um, th- who else was in it? Oh, there's a really awkward um, cameo from Jared from Subway in that movie now. But after everything you find out about, there's all that that possible bad news about Jared from Subway. Do that you know? was like one of his assistants or something. Oh, is that what they said now? I thought it was. I um, thought it wasn't direct. I think it was. It was linked to him, but it wasn't like him doing it. It was still weird seeing him. It now. is like, weird. Yeah. Um, you, I can't eat sandwiches. Like so, I remember texting Joe. 
I was like, Jack and Jill, more like Jack and Shrill. He's like, now, now, gotta say nice things about the movie. <laughs> so I was like, more like Jack and Thrill. Um, the, the, I... I want to like Sandler. I want to like Adam Sandler. I do. I do too. And it's just like he Billy Madison us, makes me laugh still. So much in the nineties. Like, like Happy Gilmore makes me laugh still. Mm-hmm. Um, there's parts of the Water Boy that I enjoy still. Um, like I don't. I don't know what happened though. I feel like every one of his movies is a chance for a vacation. What do you mean? Oh, like he like somebody. the studio pays for him to have a vacation. Oh yeah. Like Grown Ups is him and his friends having a vacation. Grown Ups Two is him and his friends having another vacation. Um, blended is him and, um, you know, girl from ET having a vacation, you know? And I also wonder if Katie Holmes suffered more during this movie than being married to Tom Cruise. I don't know. (laughs) Oh man. Woo. You know, one, one has ruined her way of life. The other one's Tom Cruise. I don't even know anymore. I'm sorry. All right. All right. Anyway. Okay. We to got wrap you. this up. I'm sorry. We've been we, we've been going on a lot tonight. We got we got you off of the wheel. Yeah. And, um, so no, but, but so the wheel, Puppet Master, Class Newcomb High, and Avengers Grimm. Mm-hmm. It's been a rough week. That sounds. I've been weird. angry. I, I I'd be angry too. I was angry after I watched one. I watched four days and forty nights. I was angry. Yeah. What about this? This is insane, man. You gotta call him. Oh, will you stop, Randy? You know all he wants to do is play Twister with your sister. Twister with your sister. No? Okay. Right. There's a lot of poop jokes in the movie, too, by the way. Poop and fart jokes. Oh, no. Yeah. Don't don't say that, because then my girlfriend's going to want to watch it. <laughs> she, Two thumbs up for poop jokes. She All right. loses it every time. I'm like, you love those. Don't you? <laughs> you know what? Though? Here, brief aside, Mary, who I love dearly. I'm engaged. We're going to get married. She's going to suffer with me for the rest of her life. She will find enjoyment in a lot of things. About halfway through this Jack and Jill movie, she's like, is this over yet? Like that was a big thing for me for her to be like, I'm not enjoying this. I'm like, you're not enjoying this. You know? So this is what I do for you people. I throw myself at the mercy. So Joe has, has provided me a lifeline. Yeah. So I've come up with some chaser movies. Uh, <laughs> most of them are on palette cleansers. Most of them are on Netflix. I looked them up on Netflix, but I thought that you should sit down and watch these. I think one of them is two of them are on Netflix, but I'm happy to know that you own one of them and you haven't watched it. So, one of them is Rest Stop. With Joey Lawrence? With what? Joseph Lawrence is in that? Yeah. Oh, he you, is in that. I forgot. You really need to watch this because his, his scene is crazy. Like, yeah. It, yeah. I kept calling Adam Sandler's sister my ambiolic the entire time while watching Jack and Jill. I was like, why is he so mean to Blossom the entire time? And Mary kept, kept telling me to be nice. You, I know you hate, um, what do you call it, uh, Big Bang Theory? Okay. Because she's yeah. on that. But yeah. I thought it was funny because like uh, people have interviewed her before. I think it was one person; it might have been two. But they interviewed her uh, at the Grammys or something, and they were like, "Do you find it weird when people come up to you and ask you all kinds of sciencey questions and you don't like know?" And she's like, "I am a scientist." Like, she, no, she, she really is. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's a PhD. And like this dude was just like, he didn't get it. Like he thought she was just an actress, and she's like, "No, I have a no, PhD." She's life after Blossom. Yeah. yeah, I thought that was funny. Anyway, well, like six is a hobo somewhere, but anyway, poor six. Yeah, um, and Bill Bixby. Whatever happened to him? I don't know. <laughs> uh, so rest rest stop is one of them. Okay. I don't know if you want to watch as many as you want of these to just cleanse I just it. Or think that maybe we should do a random like. You, well, we'll just, let's do the wheel of niceness. How about that? Okay. Yeah. Um, well, I have eight, and then I've sure. got Chef, which I really think you should watch. That's, That's the John Favreau that movie. That was a really with, good uh, movie uh, with Iron Man in it, yes. right? Yeah. Well, Iron actually, Man yeah, and Happy Iron, Hogan have a food truck. Iron Man. No, no, he doesn't. Have, Iron Man gives Happy Hogan the food truck, oh, and okay. then like Happy Hogan. He pulls 
the hottest women in Hollywood somehow. No. Like apparently cooking is like <laughs> I don't know because he's his ex wife is Sofia Vergara and then he's like. He's like got Scarlett Johansson on the side. Oh wow! So it's well, like this, this is a complete Avengers like side piece. Yeah, you know it's Happy Hogan so, with the the Black Widow. Yeah, I like it. And, and a food who truck. Else, uh, John Leguizamo was it. And you know who else? Oh, I mean Vindicator from Spawn. <laughs> and you or, know who else was in it was the uh, the cop dad from Ant Man. Oh, there we go. Like, the yeah, guy, yeah, Bobby, not uh, uh, Car- Carvindale, Car- Car- like I don't know, Cavendale. But I saw, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw him, yeah. man. I was like, oh, I'm like, look at this guy. He's in the Marvel. This universe is a Marvel now. Universe food truck. Like, I like everybody. It. Okay, everybody yeah. from Chef is in the Marvel. Anyway, um, all right. So we got Chef uh, John Wick. Have you seen John Wick yet? I've seen John Wick. All right, John Wick's good. It was good. I'll watch uh, it again. Hot Rod. I, I, I watched he that can't. this week. <laughs> See, he's already cleansing. He's like Hot Rod. Uh, yeah. The Eat Running some Man. Smoke. The running, running Man's man, on Netflix. Yes. That's a good. I put Rest Stop on there. Uh, Hellboy's on there. Yes, some good uh, Del Toro. Uh, the Fifth Element. Oh, up until Chris Tucker, I'll watch that movie. Ro- Roddy Rod, whatever his name is, I just I despise him on the screen. But Fifth Element's so good. Yeah, and then Stardust. Stardust. You know what? I've never seen that. I read the book years ago, but I've not watched the movie. Give it a watch. It's a good story. You know what? Like, you know what? Screw the random. We're, we're going to do Stardust. He's going to be happy about that because okay. Neil Gaiman, De Niro's in that. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll do Stardust. That'll be so good. So is Daredevil. Daredevil is the main character. Oh, okay. There we go. Charlie All right. Cox. I, I, will, I will watch that because I read the book a long time ago. It was yeah. really, really good. So. It was it was like a next level uh, Princess Bride. Okay. Yeah. I, you know, I'll watch Stardust and then I'll report back next week from the Wheel of Fun. Um, way, way better than the Wheel of Death. Um, so anyway, people, please, 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 uh, hit us up on our Facebook page, um, invasion of the podcast there. Um, again, sneak the podcast under beds of those that, you know, so that way they'll listen to us next week. Um, and also follow us on Twitter, invading podcast at Twitter. Uh, please write us an email at, um, invading podcast at uh, gmail.com. We would love to hear back from you guys. Tell me maybe I'm full of poop that, um, the asylum is bad. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm really right. Cause I think I am. <laughs> um, but, or, or share with us movies that you want me to cleanse my palate with, um, anything like just interact with us. It'd be a lot of fun. So anything else for you, Joe? Cause I know we're sweating here and, uh, no, I'm good. I'm ready for, we're, we're for spritzing for cooler air. Yeah. All right. So we're going to, we're going to wrap this up now. So a lot of fun. Um, like till next time, um, like stay cool and, uh, I don't know. Don't watch bad movies. Question mark.
Ignorance that steals our fate 